Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Clubhouse Talk. Maybe one of these days I'll come up with a different intro. Who knows? I almost almost did a different one tonight. We're sticking with the same old thing. Same I want to hear the different one. Nah, not let's t- hear it next time. What? Come on, let's hear it. Let's see what the people if the people like it. Nah. Hey, 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 hey! Welcome into Clubhouse Talk. Another episode here. We've got Kylie and Brett for you guys. Um, we're gonna be breaking down all of the uh, this the first round upsets from March Madness, the round of thirty-two. Uh, as well from last weekend, we're going to take a look at the Sweet 16 games. It'll be starting up here tomorrow night as we're recording on Wednesday night. So we'll take a look at the Sweet 16 games, see if our opinions have have uh, changed, maybe for our national champions, that sort of thing. So, yeah, let's go ahead and let's uh, let's start breaking them down, Brett. But uh, how are you doing today, man? We're doing fantastic. Had a great weekend of uh, college basketball. Long weekend for me. I took work off on Friday, so. Kicked back, kicked back, relaxed, and watched the the greatest sport, the greatest college sport, I should say, uh, unfold in front of my eyes. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's an absolute marathon watching all that basketball from from Thursday to late late Sunday night, especially if we're watching all the way through to the end of the uh, the Arizona TCU game, which which ended at roughly midnight Central Time, a little before midnight. So. It, it is an absolute marathon. People always talk about how bad the day is going to work after Super Bowl Sunday and kind of that Super Bowl Monday hangover at work. I don't know if I, I don't know if that even compares to what it is after trying to you get know, a St. Patty's Day and then you throw on four days of March Madness. I, I mean, it's an absolute uh, just rager of a weekend to try and cram it all in. A lot of drinking, a lot of basketball. <laughs> it's a good time um so let's yeah let's let's go ahead and let's let's start diving into it uh I, I don't think we need to go game by game necessarily but i do kind of want to talk about at least the we'll talk about the first round the surprising games second round surprising games and then we'll uh, we'll do some previews so oh let's let's go ahead and start we'll kind of just stick it off with the bracket and so we'll start with gonzaga's region if we can here i'm trying to Pull up a bracket as we speak. Should have had that before I got on here. Shows you shows you how good I am for this. But the because I know you what you had Gonzaga blowout. Well, actually, really it wasn't a blowout for a long time. Were you a little bit surprised in that first game of Gonzaga starting off really sluggish for the first uh, thirty minutes of that game against Georgia State? I was yeah, uh, but sometimes with these higher seeds, you kind of see them just like walking through these games kind of not not playing to their full potential till the second half because they, they think it is somewhat of a given that they're going to beat this this Georgia State team but I mean in all honesty I mean even these sweet or even these 16 seeds they're they're no joke they made the tournament they won their conference I mean they won out of conference games so they're they're no joke they come in at confidence and you know they got nothing to lose so a lot of them come in they're ready to, ready to play and you give an underdog a little bit of life and it can be a problem. So, uh, let's see here. Well, you had a uh, – the first upset was actually on that first Thursday in that region, and that was the uh, the 12, a 12-5 upset, New Mexico State over UConn. Um, the Big East 
is we'll go through it. The Big East, the SEC, and the Big Ten have not had good tournaments overall, in my opinion. Um, Big East hasn't been horrible, but it has certainly not been good for the quality of teams that they put in the tournament. Uh, that first game, New Mexico State, UConn, how shocked were you of, of that upset? I can't say I was shocked. Um, I don't I don't remember. Did I pick them? Uh, let, have, me, let me look quick. I, I don't think I picked them. I picked UConn. Okay. But, uh, no, I'm not shocked. Uh, Teddy Allen scored 37 in that game. Um, he kind of did what we thought he would do, just try to go off, and, and he did that game. In their next round, he, he didn't have as much luck. But, um, yeah, uh, I mean, watching – I watch UConn most of the year just because they're in the Big East with Creighton. And, I mean, they still haven't beat – they've never beaten Creighton in their entire school's existence. We're 5-0 against them. That is a mind-blowing stat, by the way. Yeah, right? I mean, UConn's won multiple national titles, and they can't get it past a little school in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I, I was pretty shocked by it, too. Uh, New Mexico State's a team that everyone uh, – I think last year everyone had in a, in a, as an upset-type contender pick. They were either in the 13 – I think they were in the 13 seed last year. This year, the 12 seed, obviously a very good team. Um, and UConn did not shoot well. And that's kind of the, the theme of these upsets that you see is – of these better teams that they don't shoot well and they tend to go home quick because of it. It's, it's a really bad time to have a, to have a uh, bad shooting game. Right. Um, so you look down the, there's another upset in that top region. Uh, and that was Notre Dame, Alabama. Um, Notre Dame got through the first four game. Notre Dame goes, it gets past and had, had a epic game against Rutgers in double overtime. And they get through and they play Alabama who is, been so hot and cold this year, and <laughs> as Alabama do, they come out cold. Um, I, I don't understand this team at all one bit. It's been a really hard team to figure out. Uh, kind of a depressing – or not depressing, but I think a really letdown season. Consider that you beat Baylor, you beat uh, Gonzaga – yeah, Baylor, Gonzaga, and I don't know if they beat Kentucky, but I do know they at least beat those two teams. And then you have some pretty bad losses – a, you finish your season off with a one and done in the tournament after last year, uh, making a really big run in the in the tournament. Yeah, and this is another game that I can't say I was surprised that Notre Dame won, but I didn't expect them to win by uh, 14. Um, and they kind of did it on the back of uh, Cormac Ryan at 29 points that game. And he's he's kind of he's like a 10 point a game scorer, so I I definitely didn't see that. I mean. You do you hear stories of players going off in the tournament and your kind of your playoff P type uh, type guys, but I mean, twenty nine points in the tournament's a big game. I mean, no, he was like yeah. shooting. Um, it was it was a heck of an effort out there. Yeah, and shout out to Notre Dame for hitting ten of eleven free throws. That's that's a pretty good clip. Um, I mean, they shot 11 free throws. Alabama shot seven. So I wouldn't say that's necessarily a big discrepancy. I mean, sometimes you see their these teams, uh, some teams get way more foul calls in their favor, and that affects the game. But I don't really see that playing a huge part into this one. No. Um, 
I think Alabama fans were pretty upset with the ref refing throughout the game. Uh, there were some pretty questionable calls, but at the end of the day, I just don't think Alabama really didn't even play well enough to make that much of an argument. Um, so it was a hats off to Notre Dame who we'll, we'll get into how they played in the second round, but they were, we see this every year of teams, they get into the first four and they get this great boost. And it, it seems like it, winning that game, it gets them a boost in, into the later rounds and it, it proved to be a difference maker here. Uh, then you take a look at that was really kind of the only two big upsets there out in the in the West region. You take a look in the East region. Um, I, I was this wasn't an upset, but I was shocked at, at the result of this, that when UNC walked out there and blew out Marquette by 42 or 32. Yeah, man, they just looked dominant in that game. And. Um, Brady Manick and Armando Baycott, just, they, Marquette did not have an answer for them. They're bigs inside. So, I mean, Marquette really doesn't have a dominant big man on their entire team, really. Um, they're more of some tweener, like, spread the four slasher type guys on that, on that Marquette team. But I mean, Brady, Brady Manick had 28 points and 11 rebounds, a standing effort. And they're hitting the threes. I mean, North Carolina made 13 threes in that game, so... It's what you got to do. Get to March Madness. Make your threes, make your free throws, and uh, you tend to have a good amount of success. Uh, the UCLA Akron game was dangerously close to being a 4 13 upset. Uh, UCLA only winning by four was a little surprising, but they, they did what they had to do to pull away a win. I think a lot of people, uh, Virginia Tech was a huge, I would say, darling for a lot of teams coming into this tournament. They get beat by Texas in the first round. Uh, a good effort by Texas there, winning by eight. And then you look down and you start, and then you get to the uh, the 7-10 in that region of the San Fran and Murray State game. And that was that was an absolute thriller of a game to watch. That game goes to overtime. Murray State wins by five. But, uh, I mean, they were making shots absolute left and right. There's a guy for San Fran. I don't re- remember his name, but I know he dropped either th- – Close to 30, or he dropped over 30 points in that game. He was pretty unconscious. Yeah, that's uh, Jamari Buya. Uh, yeah. He had 36, I believe. Yeah, 36 was, points, yeah. And he was making some step-back threes. It was just – it was stuff that you just don't normally see. No, I mean, that was just a good game uh, all around. Two very talented teams, obviously. Close game is really fun to watch. You know, that game came on the heels of what I think this entire tournament will probably be remembered by. Of every year there is one big upset. Uh, there's one one game that everybody remembers. And that came uh, out of the out of this region here in the 215 game. Uh, we've seen 15 seeds in the past have some success. This was not the first time a 15 is knocked off a two, but I'd argue that this probably is the biggest one outside of maybe the Florida Gulf coast, Georgetown. That one was really surprising and came out of nowhere, but you have a small school in St. Peter's step up and you knock off a Goliath of a team. like Kentucky. It took the entire world by storm there on Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening. Yeah, St. Peter's really has turned out to be the darling of this tournament. Um, St. Peter's athletic budget for basketball 
is a million dollars. That's it? Yes. They have had things like buses breaking down, the coach's locker room flooding this year because <laughs> the locker room is below their pool. Um, <laughs> their weight room is next to a psychology class, so they can't play music during, during when they're lifting weights. And they pulled off this enormous upset. And then the next round did it again. I know to think that there's only been, there've been 10 times that 15 had lost to a two and only two other times had a 15 then moved on. Um, And we'll get to the, that kind of that round of 32 game. I mean, St. Peter's is clearly, (coughs) clearly our Cinderella for this tournament. There, there is that team. They are that team this year. Uh, We're going to wait and see if, uh, if the clock strikes midnight on them uh, come tomorrow night when they play in, uh, in Philly, but because uh, they're going to have a really, really tough match. Against Purdue. But the, this St. Peter's team is such a, it's a great story. Uh, and honestly, I think what made the uh, win over Kentucky more surprising than anything was that they led their coming down the stretch game goes to overtime and the old, the age old uh, saying is that overtimes were underdogs go to die. And they not only were able to still withstand Kentucky in overtime, they pretty well dominated overtime. They won by six. Uh, it, it was quite comfortable. I think they were up by four or five with, with over a minute to go. I mean, this game was, was in hand. Uh, it really surprises me for everything this this Kentucky team did. They beat Kansas by like 30 on the road at Allen Fieldhouse. Um, they were a top tier team the entire year. A team that had a lot of higher aspirations, but they went home quick. And it's been now three years or going in and it will have been three years since Kentucky has won a tournament game by the time the tournament starts next year, just because of COVID and they had the COVID year canceled. Kentucky didn't make the tournament last year. And then this year they lose, they are one and done. Um, I'm not going to say coach Cal's on the hot seat, but I do know that a lot of big blue nation is getting a little restless right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, there's teams like Kentucky, the blue bloods, you don't see them having games like this, especially getting early bounced in the tournament. So, I, like, I, like you said, I don't think Coach Cal is in the hot seat, but they need to start one of these tournament games. Uh, they need to get some – I mean, personally, I don't care that much. Being a Tennessee fan, I could care less what Kentucky does. I enjoy watching them lose every time. Hey, because Kentucky lost, I got to go see Tennessee play because tickets plummeted because of Kentucky fans selling them. But, nonetheless, it, it's better when Kentucky's good. Um, I'm sure they'll be fine next year. It just – they were also really senior, an older team this year. It wasn't like it's a bunch of freshmen. Uh, but even with them being an older team, since they hadn't been, like I just said, they had weren't in the tournament last year. They, uh, they had the good year before that, so they hadn't played a lot of tournament games. So it's not like they had a lot of experience. It's just weird. It, it, it just really surprised me. I think that was everyone's pick coming out of that that Midwest or that East region. There was Kentucky, and we were all quite wrong very quickly. <laughs> Hey, I'm glad to be wrong for that upset. Oh yeah, I think everybody was okay with watching that. Uh, watch that one go down. So we'll flip it over to uh, the South Region. Um, Arizona handled business. TCU continued the great run for the Big Twelve, uh, beating up on Seton Hall there. Uh, then you had 
I think a lot of people liked this as an upset pick coming into the tournament. Um, they led for fifth, what was it, 49 minutes or you, you played 40 minutes. So 39 minutes and 50 seconds. And uh, Chattanooga just could not hold on there those last 10 seconds, uh, losing a heartbreaker to Illinois, 54-53. Yeah, I'm kind of sad to see Chat go out like that. Uh, I think they played a good game in Illinois, obviously. I mean, watching their second-round game, losing pretty handily to Houston, didn't deserve to be in the situation they were in, So, which kind of makes it even harder to swallow for that Chat team, but. Yeah, I think that chat team could have given Houston a little bit of a run. Um, they were they're a really quality team. Uh, they're easy to root for. They got a lot going for them. Um, small school hadn't been in the tournament in so so long, and when you lead the whole time just to come up a hair short like that, it's it's really sad to, to see. Right. Uh, and then you had Michigan, a team that. Not a lot of people expected to be in the tournament in general. They stepped up and they whooped up on Colorado State in their first round matchup. Uh, the what, what conference are they? The Big West, I believe. And whatever conference that that is, they also had a horrific show. And they went 0-3. All three teams lost the first round. Uh, ugly stuff there. Um, that kind of was the rest of the upsets there in the first round out there in the Midwest and then the, the South region or the, or sorry, that was South. This is the Midwest region. Um, Creighton won a great game against San Diego state. The cardiac kids come back at the very last moment, uh, take their very first lead in overtime. It's hard to win a game that you never let in regulation and Creighton somehow managed to do that in that first round. Yeah. And I'll kind of lump in the next game with us breaking down this game, but those kids have so much heart so much like they care about this team so much and the way they put it together towards the end of the season playing with our starting point guard injured he broke his wrist against uh, St. John's and playing with our another one of our guards one of our only returners Sharif Mitchell him being out pretty much the entire season and then losing Ryan Kalkbrenner our starting center and Big East defensive player of the year uh, in the fourth quarter or the second half of that game. I mean, I did not see this game ending up the way it did um, with a gutty win in overtime, but I'm glad to see it. And then the next round, they put Kansas, the number one seed in the uh, Midwest, and they took them right down to the wire. I mean, they were right in there in, in the last minute of the game, and they only played with seven guys that game, I believe, six. And it was it was a really strong effort there by Creighton this tournament. Incredibly strong effort. Yeah, it'll be it'll be exciting to see what they can do next year. They're losing three seniors, but everyone else should return, I would think. And bringing in a decently strong recruiting class and maybe get a couple transfers. I think they'll be right back there. I Creighton is really, really well coached team. They got a lot going for them. I I would not be surprised to see them right back in the same position next year in a in a good spot in the NCAA tournament. Um, you look right down below you there, and the, we had the other 5-12 upset. Of, and I would say that this, and I don't know which one, but, or, well, Kentucky definitely busted more brackets. But a lot of people had their brackets busted before Kentucky even happened because Iowa was the hottest team in the country coming into the tournament. They were a five seed. Everybody wanted to kind of pick them as a sneaky spot to get out of the Midwest, to beat Kansas. 
um, before the Elite Eight even happens, get out of there and get to the Final Four. And Iowa shows up and lays a big fat egg against Richmond and loses 67-63. And everyone's like, well, there goes my bracket. Yeah, I mean, 59, 59 of Richmond's 67 points came from three players. <laughs> they that, that is a, insane. Two of their forwards and one of their guards. And they they played I don't know side of their mind because I think they knew they could play that well and they could hold this Iowa team uh to 63 points, which is very uncharacteristic of this team. And I, I know a lot of Richmond fans actually had this upset and they were saying they were gonna blow Iowa out before the game, which was kind of kind of funny to, to hear at the time given that Iowa was so hot. But it's it's always good to see Iowa lose. As a Nebraska Nebraska football fan, I always I always love seeing Iowa lose. That's our biggest rival. I, I thought it was hilarious personally. Um I I absolutely just embody all the madness. What what I could care less about my bracket. No one's ever gonna get a perfect bracket. Um not only were there no perfect brackets in the first round, there was nobody who got the sweet 16 right. So you could have gotten who they lost or who they beat wrong, but nobody could go, no single person out of 17 million brackets was able to get the top 16 seeds or top 16 teams left. Correct. Pretty insane. Yeah, it's wild. Um, and that's what happens when you get four double digit seeds in the sweet 16. When you get 25% of your, of your sweet 16 is double digits. Um, yeah, it's going to blow everybody up. Um, then you look at Iowa LSU, Iowa State LSU. I don't think that this was a surprise to anyone. I know I had the Cyclones. LSU playing without a coach, they looked pretty uninspiring. Uh, I didn't expect a lot out of Iowa State. The, the next round we'll talk about even more, but um, I wasn't too surprised to see him lose to LSU, who they have now hired their head coach. They got Murray State's head coach. I think it's. I think that's going to be a really good uh, hire for him. He'll probably be able to come in, in Baton Rouge. Assuming they don't have too many sanctions dropping down on them. Is that Coach Matt McMahon? Yes. I have a buddy named Matt McMahon, so I always thought that was hilarious. I I actually never put two and two together, but uh, <laughs> that is funny. Um, the last upset, I I don't call a lot of seven tens upset. I consider those really 50-50 games, but uh, a lot of people were – UFC was a top 25 team for most of the year, if not all the year. I don't understand why weren't that great of a team and they kind of showed in the tournament. Um, Miami took care of them there in the first game. Uh, they went by two, but uh, actually almost, uh, I think USC may have almost come back in the game. I don't, Miami was up big, but it was good stuff uh, there in that first round, an incredible first two days. And then you didn't take long before uh, the, the madness started to keep going there in the, in the round of 32. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I won't. I won't say too much about this. I'll, I'll talk about it later. But uh, uh, Miami looked great. Yeah, they did. Um, so you go back up to that West region, and you had Gonzaga, Memphis. I believe I did not watch a lot of this game. Uh, at that point, Tennessee had already lost. I had left the arena, started to extremely drink away my sorrows that night. Um, so I was not very coherent at this point in the Gonzaga game. So I kind of had to catch up some highlights afterwards. But Gonzaga was down huge. They were down, what, 15 points or some point um, in that game. And they come roaring back on the back of Drew Timmy at a historic performance. Um, 
truly carried his team all the way back against Memphis, and uh, they sneak by them 82-78. Um, better rely on you here for a lot of the uh, in-game details. <laughs> yeah, uh, like you hit it right on the head. On the head uh, Drew Timmy had a great game. Uh, he kind of picked up some of the slack. Chet Holmgren didn't have the best game. He had nine points. They'd have nine rebounds to add, but, um, yeah, Drew Timmy and Andrew Nemhard. Andrew Nemhard had 23 points and five assists, so – he really played well. They didn't get much scoring out of their bench, only getting two points. But they didn't really need it because they got the win. Yeah. Survive in advance. That's all that matters here. So um, we'll, we'll talk about Gonzaga in a minute. But I'm, you have two kind of shaky performances. You have a very shaky game for a long time against Georgia State. You get down big against Memphis. Um, it's not a very good, uh, good strategy there. Uh, Arkansas sneaks on by uh, New Mexico State in what was an absolute rock fight, a 53-48 game. Arkansas was in control for that game the whole time, but just not a very inspiring performance by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Notre Dame almost knocks off Texas Tech. They were up big. Not up big, but they were up there late in that game. Texas Tech comes roaring back. They win 59-53, and then you had the game that everybody wanted, and that was the Duke, Michigan State, Coach K, Tom Izzo game. Um, and uh, about four minutes ago, I think everybody in the world thought that this was it for Coach K. And then Duke finishes on a ridiculous run. I believe they were down, or they were down six with four minutes to go, and they end up winning by nine. Um, pretty impressive stuff. Those last four minutes. Yeah, gutty, a gutty win for that Duke team. They're playing for their coach and. You love to see that. Even you might you might hate Duke, but man, Coach K gets his first play for him, and that's all you can ask as a coach. It's like his twenty fifth Sweet Sixteen as a head coach. Yeah, the guy's ridiculous. It is just he will be he will be missed. He will be missed. Oh yeah, I mean I know the the whole Coach K re you know retirement tour is really annoying to a lot of people, and it's gotten a little sickening of, of how much you talk about it. But at the end of the day, yeah, we will. We will miss him next year. Um, go down to that East region, and I called this upset. I said it on the podcast last week in terms of I thought that North – one, I thought that Norfolk State might get Baylor a slightly decent game. did not happen. Um, but I did say that UNC was going to beat Marquette, and then I said that UNC was absolutely going to give Baylor a run for their money, if not beat them. And sure enough, what goes at, what happens is UNC was up Huge. I think they got up 25 in the second half uh, with about eight minutes to go. UNC comes storming all the way back. They force overtime. Game goes or goes to overtime. UNC still pulls that out uh, and continues that ACC run of uh, dominance here in the tournament. They are absolutely killing it. Yeah. Uh, I thought the officiating in this game was horrible. Oh, yeah. It was bad. The the ejection of Brady Manic was was a joke. Was a joke, and it was completely game altering. The guy yeah, was. What, they they were up twenty five right at that moment. That Brannick, I think Manic had just hit a three. They were up twenty five. He gets a tech on the, or he gets a double tech on an elbow on the way down the floor on the next side, and then after that, the entire game flips. Yeah, it was that, that was the refs wanting to make their stamp on the game, and they did. But you know what, North Carolina didn't want them to have their day so North Carolina pulled out the win the fishing in this tournament has been nothing short of abysmal in my opinion oh, it's been awful. Um, and 
it's to no surprise of me because I watch a lot of college basketball. And guess what? It's been this bad the whole season. For those of you who don't watch a lot of basketball during the regular season, I promise you it's been this bad everywhere you go the entire year. doesn't matter what conference. And when you have bad refing every single day, you're inevitably going to get bad refing in the tournament. Um, the NCAA has a serious problem on their hands. Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to bother enough or care enough to fix it, but I can tell you we all sure as hell would like them to. Uh, let's see here. Next up, to, to, well, we had the St. Peter's game. Do we want to talk about that? I mean, we kind of already talked about it a little bit, but them knocking off Murray State in a game that probably not a lot of people really cared that much about, but you start looking at it, and it's fantastic to see a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to talk about it a little more here in a okay. bit. When we talk about them against Purdue, that's fine. Um, top right, up there in the south, you had TCU Arizona in a, another stupid, uh, another absolutely stupid, fun game there. Uh, TCU is a team that not a lot of people knew a lot about coming into this tournament. They're a legit team. They went – they beat Kansas. They went to Allen Fieldhouse a couple days later, almost beat them again. They played them very strong in the uh, uh, Big 12 tournament. They are a great team. And uh, they gave T- they gave Arizona everything that they had. Honestly, they should have won the game or at least had a chance to win the game. There was – TCU had the ball, tie game with about 10 seconds to go. Their point guard gets body checked at midcourt and turns the ball over. Actually, it's probably about five seconds left. And Arizona uh, doesn't get the layoff layup off before the end of the buzzer. But it was a clear foul. Uh, I don't know how the refs missed that in that moment in time. But then you would have had a guard going to the line. I don't know if it would have been a one-on-one or it would have been a uh, two shots. But either way, they would have had a chance to win the game. They didn't get that opportunity. Uh, then Arizona goes out wins that game over time. I guess, I mean, how shocked were you with the, uh, with the call? No, I should say no call. Uh, I mean, kind of like we were talking about earlier, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm shocked because the officiating has been so bad, but definitely, definitely game altering. Yeah. It's us for Uh, Houston blowing out Illinois, the, uh, the, the Houston Cougars, the, uh, the computer's favorite team this year, uh, continues to keep rolling along. And then heartbreak for me of uh, Michigan knocking off Tennessee there in this, in the round of 32, the ball season comes up short. Uh, the fall season comes up short here in the round of 32. It really sucks. This team was a top five team at the end of the year, AP poll, uh, SEC tournament champions, a lot of really, really good players. Um, it really sucks to see it come to come to an end this early when I thought that this was a legitimate final four caliber team. And it's really weird. I, I know this is going to sound hypocritical. I still stand by the statement that Michigan should not have been in the tournament, but clearly since they've been in the tournament, they've proven that they have the talent to beat tournament teams. I think that both of those statements can reign true. Um, but this is what happens when you give a team that's as talented as Michigan they had a lot of losses, but they had a lot of talent, and they click, and they won a couple games. Tennessee goes two of 18 from three in their ball game. <laughs> Clearly, it's the difference right there. Um, yeah, this sucked. I don't know. Outside perspective, what did you think of the game? I 
you know, obviously feel for you. Uh, my Blue Jays lost on the round of 32 as well. So really stinks. Uh, I didn't watch a ton of the game, to be completely honest. So I can't really give you a full down, full breakdown of it. But I am in agreement with you. Uh, initially, I did not think Michigan belonged in the tournament. And it sucks to see Tennessee go out like this. But it was, it was kind of a cool moment to see uh, Coach Juwan Howard kind of console Kennedy Brooks at the end of the game. Kennedy, Kennedy Chandler at the end of the game. So No, that, that was a really good moment. Um, Juwan Howard obviously had his big public-facing uh, moment a few weeks ago when he punched the uh, – punch the assistant for Wisconsin. Steps out. And uh, gives Kennedy Chandler, uh, he consoles him as Kennedy was legitimately crying at the end of the game. You could see the heart on him. Uh, Tennessee fans are wondering if he's going to come back. I don't know. He's projected somewhere between 17 and mid-20 draft pick. I don't know if he'll want to come back or not. Uh, that type of emotion can get looked at two different ways. It can get looked at as he knows it's the end, or you can get looked at as it's, he's devastated and it might motivate him to come back. I think it probably depends on what type of NIL money he might be able to make. Uh, too many college kids go to the league too early, in my opinion. They could come back for another year, develop, and get more of an education and get money in college. So we'll see what happens. Um, and then really the the last two upsets, which is the very bottom of that Midwest region, which is where we're going to have a double-digit, double-digit Sweet 16 game, which will be a lot of fun to break down. Iowa State knocks off Wisconsin in Milwaukee ridiculously surprising. I know Wisconsin's not that great of a team, but I just, I can't believe that it's this Iowa state team, a team that won two games last year has now won two, tur- two games all year. And they've now won two tournament games this year. And then uh, Miami just throttling Auburn. Well, both of those were, um, I, I wouldn't say the Auburn ones as shocking, but I would say the throttling of it is what was shocking to me. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I Wisconsin was a team that I had in my final four in a lot of brackets. So I was, I was very, uh, I was very shocked to see that, but you lose a point guard in the game and it's hard to overcome that type of thing. Right. And like I said earlier, I'll get, I'll get to more about Miami, but they, they played amazing. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun team. That's a very different. It's a very, it's a very fun team to watch and knocking off a team that was slated as a one seat at one point and was the one number one overall team in the country at one point is to beat them like that is just impressive. So. Oh, let's, uh, let's get to the big fun stuff. Now we've, uh, we've recapped it and we've got eight games. Let's talk about them one by one. Um, very first game tomorrow night, Gonzaga, Arkansas. Uh, it's a nine and a half point spread for Gonzaga. Um, Arkansas have a fight here. I mean, we've, we've seen this be pretty bad for Gonzaga to start off the year or start off these last couple games. Are they going to be able to, uh, I guess, start strong? Or if are they going to continue this kind of pattern of start slow and cardiac kids and have to come back? Because the more and more you do this, eventually it's going to bite you in the, in the rear end. I think at this point, Gonzaga is going to realize they're playing top-tier talents, Sweet 16. Every team in here is good. Every team – theoretically, is capable of winning it. So I, I see Gonzaga getting past. I see them covering the spread. I don't necessarily think it'll be a close game. Uh, I, I like Arkansas. I think they're a fine team, but 
I think Gonzaga is going to have too much for him. I think Arkansas can cover this nine and a half. I think they can keep this and make this a respectable game coming down the stretch. I don't think Arkansas has talent to do it. I mean, the SEC, as I said earlier, pretty bad. All They've lost five teams already. All five of them have lost double-digit seeds. Although I will say, out of those five teams that have lost double-digit seeds, uh, four out of those five double-digit seeds are now in the Sweet 16. So it's not like they've lost to, I guess, terrible teams. They've lost to the hot teams. But, um, yeah, Gonzaga – we both got Gonzaga. I, I I would be really, really surprised to see Arkansas advance here. They've got talent. I just don't think they've got enough length. And I don't think they're going to be able to do this over 60 minutes, over 40 minutes for them. Yep. Exactly. Nova, Michigan. Um, four and a half point favorite, Villanova. Uh, we've talked about this Michigan team. We said that they haven't had enough coming in. Villanova is clearly the one bright spot for the Big East. Uh, they have shown that they were clearly a fantastic team at two seed there. Um, playing their best basketball, really good showings their first two games. Um, where do you see this game? I think this game is a toss-up. Uh, I think Jay Wright is a phenomenal coach. He's one of the best coaches in the country. Obviously, his teams seem to be in the Sweet 16 just about every year. But I'm going to give the nod here to Michigan just because I don't think Villanova matches up great against Michigan. They don't really have a big guy that can – the matches up well against Hunter Dickinson. And I think if Michigan's guards can shoot the three ball well, then they'll 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 be able to handle Hunter Dickinson in this game. Really, really impressed me. He was so good. There's not a lot of people that are seven foot one that can shoot the three ball with a pure stroke and are just as nifty and agile as he is. I mean, the guy is really, really shifty. He moves extremely well for a seven footer. I will say it's, that. Um, it's it's just hard because you, you're really talking about guys that are more like 6'10", 6'9", in that type of shifty range, um, and then they don't have the length to get up and over them, uh, to, to guard them, and then you put a seven-footer on them, and Dickinson's going to go right by them. Yeah, the dude's got it all. But I'm, I'm going to take Nova. I, I cannot – maybe it's a little bit of hatred towards Michigan, um, and I still think they're frauds, but this I, I'm, I'm going to – Trust Jay Wright. I'm going to trust Villanova. They've been here. They've done this before. I like this. I like this Nova team to get the shot under Michigan. I think Michigan's kind of a storybook ending comes to a close here in the Sweet 16. Um, but it won't surprise me if anything else happens. We'll put it that way. That is, that is a fair. That's a fair uh, take on this. Um, game of the weekend. I think this next one probably uh, in terms of. Matchup, get Coach Kane a game and tends to become the most popular one of the weekend. But I just think this is going to be a freaking awesome game. And that's Texas Tech Duke. Uh, one and a half point favorite to Texas Tech. Red Raiders, rookie coach, not really a rookie team. They made it to the Final Four just a couple of years ago. Coach K, his swan song. Who are you leaning? I'm leaning Duke here just based off the fact this – could be Coach K's last game, and I don't see Texas Tech having the firepower to be able to take them down. So give me give me the Blue Devils here. I, I think it'll be a close game. It'll be a good game for sure, uh, just with all the talents on the court for both teams. But coaching is obviously huge in March, and Duke has the better coach. I won't disagree with you there. Um, I will disagree with you on the pick. I, I love the I love the Red Raiders. I think the Red Raiders are the team. I said it 
coming into the tournament. I think the Red Raiders are the team that comes out of that region. I think they're the best team in that region. And, and well, Gonzaga's a better team. I think they match up well against Gonzaga. But uh, this Red Raiders team, they're extremely efficient defensively. They're a great team. Uh, they score well on offense. They get the job done. I, I just I wonder when the emotion is going to catch up. You saw it at the end of the year in that UNC game. You saw it in the ACC tournament. If these guys want to win a championship for Coach K so bad, and I think you kind of get to a point where they almost push too hard. So if Ben Carroll goes out and has a ridiculous game and drops like 25, that's going to be a huge problem for Texas Tech. But as long as they can keep those Duke stars from going berserk, I think the Red Raiders can sneak by, but I, I do see this game being a legit 50-50 toss-up. Houston, Arizona. Um, Zona is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. The one seed, Houston, the five seed there. This is the last game there on Thursday night. Houston's looked great. Arizona just squeaked on by a great TCU team. Do you see... Any concern for Arizona, or do you think this Houston team is legit? Um, your pick. I think this is a very tough game to call. Or Houston's playing great. Arizona's kind of pulled it exaga and they've kind of slept through their first few games, it seems like. But I'm going to go with my gut. I'm just going to say Arizona here. I have them going far, so I don't really – have enough knowledge backing Houston to make a pick against Arizona. So I'm going to go Zona. I'm going Zona too. Houston, everyone remembers them last year. They were really kind of a running gun, shoot the three type of team. They lost one of their uh, best point guards to an ACL injury in December. They really switched to a uh, down low primary team. I think that Arizona has the big men to go up against them. Uh, I forget their their big center's game, but I, I do think that he's going to be able to kind of control the boards. His last game did a great job of being a rim protector, a lot of blocks down low. Um, I, I like I like what he's got going for him. He's 6'10", 6'11", plenty of size down there, and Arizona's shooting well. Um, Christy I, Kerr hasn't had a good game yet in this tournament. I think that he's probably due for one, and – yeah, I just the, the class there, the team I had coming out of that regional to begin with. Um, so moving on in what will probably be a very, very tight back and forth game. I would be shocked if either team won by more than five. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not sure if this is too much of a storyline to follow, but something I won't get into a ton, but Benedict Matherin had a little incident against TCU. Like I said, I won't, I won't go into detail about it, but if, if anything I mean, comes it, of that. It is what it is. I mean, there is a video that circulated on social media of him maybe making a uh, poke or a grab at a TCU cheerleader's chest as he walked by to the locker room after the game. It, it's not very easy to tell. I know officials are looking into it. If that, obviously, if he can't play, that is a legit complete game. Exactly, yeah. That, that would change my pick completely if he wasn't playing. But oh, 100%. Yeah. We'll, see, we'll just have to see what, what comes of that. I, who knows? Nothing could come of it. He could maybe face team uh, disciplinary issues. He could, I mean, yeah. if it's legit, he could face technically, if Earl Mary pressed charges and it was legit, he could technically face assault charges. But 
I mean, it's it's a large stretch of of uh, scenarios that could happen, and the video is not very conclusive by any stretch of the imagination. Um, all right, that is Thursday's Sweet 16 games. So we've got we disagree on, or we agree on Gonzaga. You think Gonzaga might win by a little bit more than me? Disagree on Michigan Nova. I've got Nova. You've got Michigan. We disagree on Texas Tech Duke. I've got the Red Raiders. You got the Blue Devils. And uh, we both got Arizona squeaking that one. Moving on to Friday. Purdue St. Peter's. Um, I mentioned earlier, does clock strike midnight, Cinderella go home without her shoe? Or does does the ball keep going? And does St. Peter's somehow sneak by seven foot four, 300 pound Zach Eadie? <laughs> Man, I would love to pick St. Peter's here so much. I, I love these these stories. I mean, it makes it's what college basketball is. It makes the game so much more entertaining. It's honestly just so much better on every level. But I, I don't I, – I can't pick against Purdue here. I think Zach Eady is way too much for them. I think their guard play is much better, obviously, just with the amount of talent they have compared to St. Peter's. St. Peter's might keep it close in the first half, but I, I see Purdue pulling away and – and winning this game pretty handily. I hate to say this. I think this is a blowout from the moment go. Um, I think that St. Peter's got caught fire. They matched up well against uh, Murray State. Continue to shoot the ball well. They will have to go ridiculously unconscious from three. They're a defensive team. They can hold Purdue into the mid-50s. They got a chance. If this game starts getting up in 65, 70, 75 type of points, it's going to be really hard for St. Peter's to score that many. Uh, I've got the Boilermakers, big, big, big. I hate to say it. I love these stories. Um, the other, the only other two 15 seeds that made it this far were Old Roberts and Florida Gulf Coast. They both lost. Um, so 15s never made it to an Elite Eight. It'd be the highest seed to advance. I don't know if a 14 seed's even ever made it to the Elite Eight. But yeah, I, I like, I like Boilermakers big. Uh, Kansas Providence. Providence is the team that everyone called frauds. They called lucky. The Jayhawks look primed to kind of roll through their region. If you ask Jayhawks fans, they probably feel very, very good that they don't have it, that they're not having to see Iowa in this game. Um, who you got? Jayhawks, Friars. I got Kansas here. Um, I think they're going to be too much in the inside with McCormick and Ochaibaji. Um, I, th- I don't. I don't. I don't want to say it's going to be a blowout, but I, I think it'll be about a ten-point game. Uh, I don't know. I, I think Providence's run just ends here. Yeah, seven and a half point spread here. So you've got Kansas covering the spread. I I don't see Providence being able to hang around Kansas. Um, I haven't liked this Providence team for a while. I just think that they've had really favorable matchups. Um, I say obviously South Dakota State's a great team. Teams that shoot the ball three a lot just aren't sustainable in the NCAA tournament. And then uh, Richmond, I still don't think is that great of a team. Oh, excuse me. Um, and so yeah, I've got I got Jayhawks. I like you. I think Jayhawks probably kind of spread. Um, I, I don't think the Friars are going to be able to compete with them. Ochaiabachi, big game. Kansas, big game. Elite Eight. Jayhawks. Uh, last two games, UNC 
UCLA, a couple of blue bloods going at it. I think this will be a really fun game to watch. Uh, probably a lot of points, probably a lot of running up and down the court. We'll get tired watching this game, but it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Who you got? I got UNC here. I like their matchups. Uh, I think they have the better big big guys. And I know I like to say guard play means a lot in the tournament, which I do think UCLA probably has the better guards. But UNC is playing their best basketball at the right time. Or UNC is playing the best basketball at the right time. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with UNC and go with the Tar Heels. Give me the Bruins, man. Um, no, I just I don't. Uh, I, I can't say I don't see it, but. This UCLA team, Final Four last year, they've been here. They know what they've got to do. I know that they haven't had the most – they had a pretty encouraging win over St. Mary's after a not very encouraging game against Akron. Um, I think that they, it kind of woke them up a little bit. They remembered what they need to do to win in this tournament. UNC hasn't been here before in a little while. Uh, new coach, I got I got the Bruins here. I, I can't. I'm going to stick with the with the chalky pick. It's Bruins minus two and a half. At that point, you probably going to cover if you're going to win the game. So, uh, last but not least, you'll have the double digit double digit Sweet 16 game. So we will have a guaranteed double digit seed in the Elite Eight. State Cyclones, Miami Hurricanes. Uh, two teams no one expected to be here. Who you got? I got Miami here, and that's just because of how well they've been playing. Um, they dismantled Auburn, like I said earlier, and I don't think Iowa State's a very good team, frankly. So give me Miami here. I'm with you. I don't think Iowa State's a very good team, and I think that Miami's playing some fantastic ball. Four guards is a really unique setup. Um, there's a reason why they have turned it over only seven times with 33 assists through two games. And it's because they play small ball. Um, it, it's a benefit of playing small ball. You probably don't turn it over as much because you got guards handling the ball. So I got Miami pulling away too. I, I don't think this game is going to be as fun as everyone wants it to be. This game could look a lot like the Auburn game, if you ask me, in terms of uh, pretty, pretty handy. Uh, and then for, while we're at it, before we get on out of here, well, we'll talk about the uh, potential Elite Eight games that we were, we were setting up there. So you would have Gonzaga, Michigan. Uh, Zags get out of that game to the Final Four? Uh, Gonzaga would play Duke. Oh, sorry, Duke, you're right. I was thinking about it as uh, not brackets. I was looking at timing. You're right. Gonzaga would play Duke. And would you have Coach K knocking off the Zags or Duke getting out of there? I like, uh, I like Zags. I like Zags getting to the Final Four. Um, I think they're built for March. I mean, they have players everywhere, and I see Coach K's run ending here. I said this last time, if uh, if Gonzaga doesn't win this year, I don't know when they ever will, but I've got I, – I said it said before the tournament, I'll keep it going. Texas Tech knocks off Gonzaga, um, gets themselves – they booked their ticket out of the West region – into New Orleans. Uh, then you've got in the East region, you will have Purdue versus UCLA. Or no, you'll have UNC, Purdue versus UNC. Who gets in that game? Um, give me Purdue. Um, kind of the same story here. Uh, UNC's run ends early. I think Purdue is a pretty complete team. So give me the Boilermakers. 
I have Purdue, UCLA, and I'm with you. I got Purdue over the uh, over the Bruins. I think that this Purdue team, there's a reason why they they got themselves number one at one point this year. They were a consistent top three, four team in the year all year, or top four team in the country all year. This team's legit. I don't see anyone being able to stop them in that region. So that's who I got. And then you look in the South region, you'd have Michigan, Arizona, Arizona getting that then getting that game done. Arizona is getting this game done. Yeah, I think uh, whoever comes out of this game, Houston or Arizona, probably beats either winner of Villanova, Michigan. I would have Arizona over Villanova. Um, I don't think Villanova is going to have the athleticism that I'm going to be keep up with, with Arizona. So I will take – we got Zona coming out of the, the south region. And then last but not least, over there in the Midwest, you'd have Kansas – playing Miami. We both have Kansas playing Miami. I, we both probably have Kansas beating Miami, unless you're trying to pull a shocker on me. I'm going to have Kansas here. Yeah, I think this this red sets up so well for the Jayhawks. Uh, they've got to just be grinning from ear to ear. I mean, they had to they had to play, play a really good game against Creighton. Creighton's a good team, but they got to play a beat-up Creighton, and then they get to play Providence. And then they get to play Miami or Iowa State. I mean, are you kidding me? Could you ask for a better, like, dream scenario for them? Yeah, they've had a pretty easy. Um, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say easy because no game in the tournament is easy. But No, no game is easy. But... If Creighton playing six players is your biggest test going into the Final Four, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it reminds me a lot of Houston last year. They made it to the Final Four and they beat four double-digit teams. Yeah, I mean. It's or it's like when Kansas State made their run a few years ago in uh, Kentucky. They knock off Kentucky, um, and you you have to beat Loyola Chicago to go to the Final Four. I mean, it, it's like things like that that it's like, yeah, it's it's. Shocking. I would, I would almost be in favor of a reseeding once we get to the Sweet Sixteen. I don't know if that would ever be something what way? that say looks at. Um, Take the Sweet 16 teams and just reseed them. So one through 16. Oh, okay. Sweet 16. Yeah, so one place. St. Peter's, St. Peter's would probably be the 16, and Gonzaga would probably Gonzaga. be the one. Yeah. I think that'd be an interesting way to change the tournament up a little bit. It would. Another thought, um, if we're, we're talking about this before we get out of here, some, some different tournament type of thoughts. Uh, curious on your opinion. So golf right now is going on, and they've got their own match play tournament going. And the way they do it is they have a round. It's very similar to what baseball does. They have a round robin region, basically. And you play the other three teams in your region, and then the one team advances. Um, your thoughts to a round robin style of you kind of pair up four teams, and you could do it in the same way of a one sixteen and an eight nine, and they just kind of round robin each other. I, I mean, thoughts? I don't love that just because of injuries. I think injuries in basketball, playing those round robin games, could take too much effect of an effect on these players. So I'm not sure if basketball would be a great yeah sport for that. A little bit easier with baseball when you can do more games in a day, and it's a little bit more normal to play a lot of games back to back. Yeah. Um. So I'm with you. 
But this is the other one I was trying to think of that that I watched. Um, the SEC or the NCAA women's tournament does this, and I'm wondering why. The, I assume the reason why the women's and the men is different is because of revenue and getting as many sites needed for both. But the women's tournament actually, the first two rounds are held at the host arena of the top. Is it the top four? Team? It's the top. It's the top seed in the region. Yeah, it's the top te- seed in the region. They get to host games. Um, and so I personally think that would be a great way in an early round to give those top teams some, you know, some, a little bit of an advantage because I would think that there's some upsets that pro- and maybe it takes away the fun of it because you don't get the same upsets, but cause I think that you'd probably avoid some upsets with some, with some games at home, but it'd be a nice, uh, nice bonus for those top teams. Yeah. The only thing with that is, well, I guess two things like the two teams that aren't the home team in that region playing each other. I don't think tickets would sell very well. Yeah. And yeah. then like on a neutral site, that's fair. If you're playing in Spokane, like if say Gonzaga hosts the region, if you're playing in Spokane, one that's hard to get to Spokane. And two, I, I don't think, well, I guess this is like get the gave Kentucky, for example. If St. Peter's is playing in Rupp Arena, no shot they win. Zero oh, no, it's, it's an absolute zero chance. That, like I said, you get way less upsets. I just think that it'd be kind of yeah. a it's, – it's a nice bonus to those teams in the women's game, and I yeah. think actually a lot of it comes more towards the, the lack of ability to get enough venues. But I don't know. I was watching it. I thought it was kind of interesting. It definitely helped carry on some of those teams. It'd be a good boost, but oh well. Right. So, nope, just curious. Um. I really don't think March Madness ever actually has to change because it's beautifully. Oh, it's great the way it is. It, it's an amazing just catastrophe of games. Um, it's, there's a reason why it's really, really, really hard to win it all. Take winning six games in three weekends. Uh, it's not easy. It's a lot of matchups. It's a lot of making your shots at the right time. Your opponents missing shots at the right time. So, yeah, I love it. Oh, same here, buddy. Well, that's all we got for you guys of a uh, Sweet 16 Elite Eight preview. Um, when we come back with you next time, it will be Final Four time. Uh, we'll know who's in the Final Four, who's going to New Orleans. So hopefully we do a little bit better this go-round. One of us is probably bound to do well, considering we had a lot of teams uh, di- or a lot of games differentiated. So one of us probably will be a little bit better next week on the next. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, we'll see you guys next week and uh, break down the final four for you.